Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Dr. John. Hello. Uh, hello. Uh, well, since you guys are Christian thinkers... Sorry, I just want to leave that question. I wanted to get your input on that. Sure, appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. That's my question. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show, friends. It's so great to have you joining us, and I'm expecting many new listeners for this weekend's broadcast. Uh, As some of you may know, um, if you follow our ministry, Christian Thinker Society at all with any regularity, you know that one of our significant initiatives as a apologetics Christian thinking ministry is we conduct live events not only all over North America, but really all over the world. And so, friends, every single week when I am out speaking across the country, be it in universities, churches, conferences, guess what I do? I always invite my audience to join us right here on Faith Radio Network, listening in participating with the Jeremiah Johnston radio show. And last weekend was no different. I have to tell you what God did last weekend. I and uh, well over a thousand others gathered in Washington, D.C. for the annual Wilberforce Weekend Conference, a conference dedicated to Christian thinking, Christian worldview, bringing together the brightest minds in the Christian faith. And I was honored that John Stone Street, who's the president of the Colson Center, invited me to give a message opposite John Lennox. And so my good friend John Lennox and I spoke together on Saturday morning. The conference actually was Friday night, all day Saturday. It's kind of a Christian South by Southwest, if you're familiar with that conference. Several minor conferences happening, all uh, part of the one larger conferences, too. There was a pre-conference. There was a gala. Uh, Lots of just exciting things. And John Lennox and I last spoke together at an event that Christian Thinker Society did in London, but I had not seen him in two years. And so it was just delightful. And the conference theme was, is Christianity still good for the world? We know Christianity is true, but is it good for the world? And that was the answer that each speaker um, had. And they were given a topic, and so I was given the topic, has Christianity historically been made the world better or worse? Well, friends, you can imagine, I literally wrote the book <laughs> on the conference theme. My book, Unimaginable, What the World Would Be Like Without Christianity, is my answer to whether or not Christianity made the world better or worse. And, of course, it has. We can define it. We can show it with the evidence. And so I proceeded to present this message that God laid on my heart last week. And it was just a dynamic meeting together of God's Spirit. So for those of you who listened to me last weekend in D.C. and you're joining us for this program, this is a program where we leave no stone unturned when it comes to Christian thinking. We investigate 
the deep, difficult questions that we all face as followers of Jesus. We open the Word of God, not Google, to find our answers, but we're willing to talk about it. We don't suffer in silence. We don't allow any question to paralyze us or our faith. And so I want to remind you, if you're just joining us, how you can submit a question to me. You can go to www.askjjj.com. Submit your question to me, and I am just blessed by all the questions that are coming in. And we have, that's how we structure the guests. That's how we structure the entire theme for this program, just based on the content that you're asking. So right along with this theme of, is Christianity still good for the world? We know it's true, but is it good? I have this fantastic guest who's actually joining me right here in Houston, Texas, my good friend David Hardage. He gives leadership to around 6,000 churches. So we're going to be talking about a lot of the programs and the ways in which these churches are being mobilized for not only the gospel of Jesus Christ, but for the good of so many communities. So friends, thank you for joining us. And don't forget, you can always check out our past broadcast. Definitely subscribe to our podcast, the Jeremiah Johnson Show podcast, Google Play, iTunes. But coming up, we've got my friend David Hardage. Stay with us. We're going to be back in 90 seconds for a great conversation. Thanks for joining us today. Friends, welcome to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. I'm so delighted to have you joining us across Faith Radio Network today. Those of you listening in both the Central and Eastern Time Zone and wherever you're listening from, if this is perhaps your first time, uh, this is the show where we tackle the tough questions that are facing us as followers of Jesus today. But we do so with a great attitude. We have a lot of fun talking to the brightest Christian thinkers in the world. Um, and I want to remind you, this is the program that takes Jesus' great commandment seriously, to love God with our heart, soul, and mind, Matthew 22. What an important commandment to love God with our heart, soul, and mind, and love each other as he loves us. What a powerful, powerful passage. Uh, Friends, today I am joined by a very good friend of mine, Dr. David Hardage. And I want you to know the work of Dr. Hardage because he gives leadership to over 5,000 Texas Baptist churches. David, thank you. And you're joining me in Houston today in the studio. So thanks for joining us in the studio. Yes, sir. Right here in-house. So I'm (laughs) glad to be here. Thank you for the kind, gracious invitation Honored to be a part and uh, love what you do, love you, love what you're doing. So thank you for letting me have a small part of it today. Well, David Hardage, tell us, and thank you for that. Thank you uh, for being here with us. But tell us, what's it like to give leadership to, is it 5,300 churches now? 5,300 churches all across Texas of every kind, Um, you know, from large to small, um, all kinds of ethnicities. Uh, We do ministry and share the gospel every week in in almost 70 different languages. Wow. So it's a great work. I love being a part of it. It's very humbling, uh, very challenging, uh, never without our challenges, but but the days are, are, are good, and uh, our work is good, and I'm honored and humbled to be a part of it. Give us a word on your testimony, if you, because, you know, we see you now, and the great yeah. preacher that you are, great leader that you are. Um, it's amazing, and we're going to get into that, the ministries. And, friends, sure. I want to encourage you right now to Google the Baptist General Convention of Texas. And this is not just a program for Texas, as you're going to find out in this program. If you if you were a part of the body of Christ, you, there is great relevance to the things we're going to be discussing today. But tell us about your testimony, David. How did you come? to know the Lord and get into ministry? Oh, sure. Um, I was raised in the church, um, so no complaints about that. My dad was my pastor mm. all of my life until you know, I moved out of, out of the house. 
So, um, but when I was nine years old, we were living in uh, Baytown, Texas. Yeah, right down and, the road uh, from us. No, excuse me. See, that was when I was, okay. uh, that's when I made my, uh, kind of received my call to the ministry, which is the age of 10. Nine, Duncan, Oklahoma. It was the first Tuesday night of the year, 1966. I remember it well. I was laying in my room looking out the window, and uh, this probably relates to, to what you do, but I was contemplating eternity. Wow. Now, that's a big, that's, that's hard for me to contemplate today. But at the age of nine, it was just a little overwhelming. And so I was, I wouldn't deny that I was just, I got scared. Mm-hmm. You know, what is, what is that? What's that about? So I got out of my bed and um, I walked down to the living room. And I, you know, my mom and dad, in a moment of, of really spiritual searching, they pointed me to Jesus. Wow. And so I prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior the next Sunday at our church where my dad was the pastor. I walked down the front and made my public profession yes. of faith. Amen. And so I was baptized a week later. And um, really have never looked back, never doubted that. I, yeah. have a, I, have a, I have a really strong recollection of that. Wow. Nine years of age, too. And so then tell us about your call to ministry. So it was a year later. Uh, our family had transitioned in ministry from Duncan, Oklahoma, to Baytown, Texas. My dad was the pastor. And Jeremiah, it was a very, very similar spiritual experience. Mm. Uh, again, and I just was wrestling almost, you know, uh, it's kind of wrestling. And I just got up and went and started talking to my dad. And, uh, we, you know, we, we just chatted a little bit. And But the next Sunday, I walked down the aisle of the church and said, you know, I, I believe God's calling me into the ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was 10 years old. I'm not sure I even knew what that mm-hmm. meant other than God has... It's, it's tugged at my heart again, and I need to do something about it. Wow. And, uh, you know, my dad was a pastor, so I, I didn't verbalize that I had preaching and pastoring in, in my mind at the time. But it seems like a natural direction for me, and that's where I've been going ever since. Wow. And so parents that are listening to us, we should never discount those decisions that we make as children, should we, Dave? No, I, I would not. I was nine, and then I was ten. Hmm. Um I didn't know everything, but I knew enough. Amen. And that's a powerful statement. You yeah. didn't know everything, but you knew enough. Sure. Um, just a few weeks ago, I've ta- already talked about it on this program, but I was speaking in Falls Creek, Oklahoma, the Baptist yeah. General Convention yeah. of Oklahoma, I've been all there. the BSMs. Yeah. Well, that is a special place for me because 26 years ago, I hadn't been back. 26 years ago, I went forward, and that's where I received my call to ministry at an age of 12. They've torn down the tabernacle. Yeah, they got a new one now. Out. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It's a yeah. dome, and it's amazing. But then... Um, I took Lily Faith, our daughter, nine years of age, yes. and I said, Lily, that's where I made. And you know, Lily, you can make profound decisions that impact the rest of your life as a child. And so yeah. you can imagine the great conversation that we had in the car. So oh, absolutely. Then she wanted to go do karaoke with all the college kids. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can understand that. Well, at our, at our, at our convention, if, if your folks listening have any interest, we have a whole booklet that we that's called Kids Faith. Please, yes. Uh, it, it's Kids Faith, and it's how to have a engage your children in a spiritual journey hmm. uh, even at, at, a, at a young age it's it's simple uh but we we offer that out there to families and churches uh and it's in english and in spanish excellent uh, so i think it's a great resource for just tapping into what the children do know at whatever stage they are mm, powerful and friends if you're just joining us right now on faith radio network i'm talking to dr david hardage and i want to encourage you to connect with him on twitter he's got a great uh, twitter feed uh, that i just love to engage with because you're going to hear about how christ is working really everywhere uh, but yeah. i want to i want to just talk to you for a minute about the nation of texas if we can sure. well, that's right talk, that's talk right. to us because right now friends for those of you that are joining us wherever you're listening dr hardage and i are in our studio here in fort bend county 
this is the most diverse county in America. Now, my editor with Fox News tried to challenge me on that, and then she did the research, and sure enough, she knew I wasn't lying. Uh, this is the most diverse county in America, Fort Bend County. What is it like doing ministry with such diversity across the state? Because you have really been a thought leader in this area, and I want you to just talk about that for a moment. Well, um, you look at Texas, and so uh, we, we, the way we say it is people are immigrating here from all over the world, mm-hmm. and, and Houston is, is, the, is the spot. Now, Dallas is another place where we have a large refugee community, but people immigrate here. Uh, so you think immigration and, and society now, and everybody thinks Mexico, uh, Central America, and that's all accurate. But it's not the whole story. Mm. Uh, people immigrate to Texas from all over the world, and particularly Houston. But the other piece of that is people migrate to Texas from the other 49 states. So yeah. that's, a, that's the terminology that we use. Uh, so in the last 22 years, somewhere close to 4.5 million people have migrated from California to Texas. Wow. And you know, all kinds of reasons, but certainly they immigrate here, they, they migrate here, and then people are born here. Mm-hmm. You know, every day in Texas, uh, about 500 people pass away. P- about 500 people die. But every day in Texas, on average, about 1,000 people are born. Wow. So just naturally, our population is exploding from immigration, migration, and just birth. Mm-hmm. So as you look at the landscape, um, it is a nonstop challenge. So we are always in the business of of looking for new people groups yes. and new population centers where we may need to start a church, uh, a, a Bible study, a community minute, a something to take the gospel into that place, whether it be a people group or a population center. And friends, I love celebrating the work of Christ, and I celebrate how God is using Baptist General Convention of Texas. Give us an idea of the makeup of the 5,300-plus churches. <laughs> sure. Well, it's uh, about 1,100 of those would be predominantly Hispanic. About 800, 850, close to 900 maybe, uh, predominantly African-American. About 350 would be African and Asian and Arabic and Mm -hmm. and other nationalities. And then we have about 200 that the people around the country might find interesting uh, that we call cowboy churches. (laughs) Yeah, talk about cowboy Uh, churches. People will love this. (laughs) It's a whole different different, uh, way of doing church. uh, you know, the first thing they build is their fellowship hall, which is not a fellowship hall. It's a roping arena. Oh, wow. And that is how they attract <laughs> – that's how they attract people to their church. Uh, but then they'll build what you and I would look at and say that's a barn, but it is their church. Um, and I love preaching in the cowboy church. The most welcoming group of people you'll ever find is the cowboy church. Mm. They, you, you, whoever, whatever – you're welcome here, and uh, it's, it's great. Do you to have to wear see. cowboy boots, Dr. No, Hardage? No, no. I do, but it's... <laughs> They're not required? No, I, I do, but it's natural for me, so okay. I, I'm not stretching to get to the to the cowboy culture at all. No. Um, so boots, jeans, you know, um, you know they, it's, just, it's just very different. The, the music is very... Um, it's Western, mm-hmm. uh, but they'll take all of the Christian songs that your audience would, would know... And they'll westernize those a little bit, but they're beautiful. The musicians are fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I, generally speaking, they didn't learn their craft in church. Yeah. Uh, but they're great musicians. The music's wonderful. Um, so it's a, the Western Heritage Cowboy Church is a great, uh, about 200 of those all over the state. Fabulous. So we've got yeah. cowboy churches, and then you're ministering in these different demographics. But 
you're also on the front lines. And, friends, I want you to hear this. Talk about BSM and the work that you all are engaged with at both the university colleges, community colleges, specialty colleges. Talk yeah. about the work that's happening because we're all concerned, David, about that 18 to 24 demographic. So I'll give you my opinion first, and then I'll talk okay. about our work. Uh, so when I was younger, I would probably have said that the most impressionable, vulnerable, uh, whatever word you would be, four, five, six-year-olds. Well, I've changed my mind on that. Mm. I believe nowadays, I, I, at least in my opinion, the most impressionable people in society there are 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. Yeah. And so we look at the college-university campus as an absolute mission field. Mm -hmm. And in Texas, there are close to 180 colleges and universities. Now, as the Baptist General Convention of Texas, we have ministry going on 115 of those. Wow. Now, I'm sorry we're missing some, but when you count major universities, uh, colleges, junior colleges, we're just not everywhere. We hope to get there. But uh, it is a great work. It is a mission field, and the Baptist student ministry, uh, we have, in the last two to three years, they've just really re-engaged with a, an intentional evangelistic purpose, engaging the campus with the gospel, mm. uh, whatever, whatever that campus might be. And so whether it be one of our nine universities that we have under our umbrella as a Baptist General Convention mm-hmm. of Texas, or whether it be the University of Texas at Austin or Texas A&M, Mm-hmm. All of those, uh, we want to have a ministry there, and we want to engage the campus. And these are, and just to, I only have about 60 seconds left before sure. our first break, but yeah. talk about the nature of the ministry happening on these campuses. And the, this is on the campuses, right? It is on the campus. You know, the, the, the kind of the big draw really initially will be a lunch. Yeah. Most of them will host a lunch every day, but you know, college kids, they like to eat, and they like for it to be free. Yeah. And so <laughs> uh, that's, that's a little bit of a hook that we have, and, and it, it works great. Wow, so fabulous. Friends, if you're just joining us on the Jeremiah Johnson Show, my guest today is Dr. David Hartage, who's the executive director of the Baptist General Convention of Texas, 5,300-plus churches he gives leadership to. We're talking about trends, and when we come back, I want to talk to David about the rise of the nuns. I want to talk about what's happening with biblical illiteracy, um, because Dr. Hartage is, again, a thought leader in this area. So stay with us. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Thanks for joining us today. Friends, welcome back. This is Jeremiah. I'm joined in studio today by a good friend of mine, Dr. David Hartage, who's the executive director of the Baptist General Convention of Texas. We're talking about ministry. We're talking about the power of the gospel. We're talking about the influence of 5,300 churches in the state of Texas. Uh, So there are things that we can take away with this. Talk for a minute, Dr. Hartage, about the power of the gospel, what you're seeing, because in many ways it's an exciting time to be a Christian, but in, in many other ways it's so difficult. It's so challenging. Um, the culture and what's happening. It's really a post-Christian era. And I think some of us, we have lost the historicity of what happens when we come together as believers in Jesus Christ. Can you just wax for a minute about the impact BGCT is making? I I don't know if you can announce it yet. I know you're working on some very strategic initiatives in different areas. I would love to hear about that. It's a lot more than just Sunday morning, in other words. Well, you know, Sunday morning is is kind of the launching point for what we do for the rest of the week. Uh, Sunday morning is where we are motivated and inspired uh, but what, what you know, the ministry happens outside the door of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get out there, and whether it's on the college or university campus like we've talked about, or whether it's in an apartment complex, you know, one of the things, our, our mobile home park, one of the things that um, we really are focusing on is what we call the house church. We, we'll use the phrase organic church. Mm. 
but right now we have over 650 organic churches all across Texas. Wow. Now, these exist for a season. You know, they're not a traditional church with a steeple, uh, but they have a leader. Uh, I, I wouldn't even call that a pastor, but they have a leader. They, ha- they have a group. They'll meet in a home. They'll meet in an apartment. They'll meet in a an apartment clubhouse. But the, the organic church, uh, every year I get a statistic of how over the course of the year, the, the new ones that we started, about 100 a year, we'll, we'll, leave, we'll, we'll experience about 2,000 professions of faith. So we're just going to keep doing that organic church, going out where the folks are, um, with the gospel, because the gospel still speaks mm. to people wherever they are. Wow. And yeah. what I love is through your leadership, it's not just about Texas. You have a burden for the world. You believe in that. In the God. So talk about how BGCT is going out in the world. Well, I'm happy to do that. I love, I love telling <laughs> that story a little bit. Uh, but, but the most recent story I can tell is about two years ago, we were approached by the Baptist Convention of Brazil. And we, now, we were approached by them. We have a long, long history with, okay. the, with Brazilian Baptists. But they, they approached us about uh, what we call uh, a missionary adoption program. It's how can a church in Texas and a church in Brazil together support an indigenous missionary, a, a homegrown missionary, a Brazilian missionary. And they said, help us let's focus first on the Amazon. We said, wow. why the Amazon? I said, well... There are 147 unreached people groups on the Amazon in 10,000 villages. Wow. And so two years ago, so in 24 months, we now have 55 missionaries on the Amazon in Brazil. Praise who, God. Uh, Yo, know, it's wonderful. Now, they're all Brazilian. They're, yep. they're, they're from that village. So they know the language. They know the culture. They're comfortable there. They're they're truly called. We've equipped them with uh, with how to with how to evangelize and how to disciple. So they're equipped. But the best thing about it is, they well, at least for me, they call themselves Texas Baptist missionaries. So uh, <laughs> in so, the Amazon, yeah, in the Amazon. So I like that. <laughs> They've part. probably never been to Texas. I yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, they haven't. Yeah. But I was over there a couple of years ago signing this agreement. But I took my phone and I had my arm around one of these young missionaries. He's about 25 years old. And I just videotaped him saying something, and I sent it that night to the church in Texas that sponsors him. Wow. They showed it in their church the next day. So here was a church in Texas seeing and hearing from their missionary in uh, on the Amazon in Brazil. It was a, it was a great thing. And now we're in nine countries like that mm. with 82 missionaries uh, in, in nine different countries all around the world. And discuss, too, I mean, you all aren't just focusing on outside of America, are you? You're also focusing on outside of Texas. Talk about churches you're launching outside of the state of Texas. Well, our, you know, so I always go back and say, you know, we, uh, we follow the geographical progression of Acts 1-8. You will be my witnesses, Jerusalem. So we take that like here today. We're Fort Bend. That's, yep. This is Jerusalem today. But for us, Judea is Texas, you know, that, that next big place mm-hmm. where you can have an influence. But then Samaria, that, those places next to you. And so um, we will look at other states around us, and, and we have partnerships with the Northwest Baptist Convention, Michigan Convention. Mm-hmm. But last year, um, last July, we started our first church, you know, outside of texas in indiana wow and the church is just doing great i had lunch this past uh february when i was in indianapolis with the pastor uh just a wonderful work underway there uh but i love the way we go about doing our church planning and our church starting i think it's an effective efficient model and Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a traditional model the organic the house church is completely different kind of model yeah
And we need them all, don't we? Well, we do that, and yeah. and we are, I think, probably in the next two to four years, we'll we'll have other models in between those. I think coming our way will be a a campus church model mm-hmm. uh, for the campuses around yes. the, the state. I think that's something that that's going to come, and then. Last year, we started 65 churches in the traditional model, but 23 of those were intentionally multicultural, multi-ethnic. Wow. So that's another coming trend for us, at least, in, in a place like Texas where we're, so ge- where we're so culturally diverse. It really is, because like, when you think of Houston, 180 languages are spoken within the city limits here every single day. We have to be better about reaching different people groups and doing so and with cultural sensitivity, but not watering down the gospel at all. So how do you, how do you meet that need where you are bold with the gospel and yet sensitive and loving in that culture? I mean, we really see the model, as you've said, in the New Testament. How do you do that? What are some of the practical steps? Well, you know, it's just, it's just living, living out the gospel. Uh, but living out the gospel uh, with a sense of, and I, we've talked before, but with a sense of, of disciple-making on one hand and the sense of loving God and loving others on the other and, and just blending those together uh, as you go out as an individual, as, you, as a church, as a family. Mm-hmm. You know, I, just imagine the impact a family can have out at dinner and they all put their phones down mm-hmm. and, and they engage in the conversation and, you know, when we, you know, a family can pray together. And, and when we pray out in public like that, you know, we're not, I am not trying to impose anything on everybody. But, I'll, you know, you, you will pray, God, just let this, let this bowing of the head and the, and the, pray, the, the sharing of this blessing, let that be an, a witness to somebody in this place Amen. today. So just living out the gospel, yeah. uh, wherever you go, however you go about doing it, uh, uh, the gospel will not return void. Amen. That's so yeah. true. Yeah. I wanted I want to switch gears for a moment because at Christian Thinker Society, um, we work every week with Christian casualties, moms and dads who say their son or daughter has left the faith, um, pastors who are doubting, um, individuals who are having faith crises, usually because some have experience of of loss, evil, suffering, pain. But there is a growing trend that I'm seeing, Dr. Hardage, of especially those that are younger than the age of 40. They see the church as increasingly just irrelevant to their life. Um, and I'm sure you've seen the re- very recent statistics. You know, those who self-proclaim as no religious preference are as many as evangelical now in America. Um, and at the same time, there's this statistic, friends, that Barna just released. Um, I don't know when you're listening to this program, but within the last few days, 69% of pastors feel pressure um, to talk about issues and don't know how to handle it. So, Dr. Hardich, how do you sort through all this um, and keep the gospel preeminent? But how do you sort through the realities? Because Max Dupree says leaders define reality, and we're two leaders defining reality right now. These are challenges, aren't they? Well, the church, the challenge of being a pastor, the challenge of doing church has probably never been more difficult than today. Mm. So with that in mind, you just, uh, you know, we encourage our pastors to first take care of themselves. Yes. Uh, so I think if the so pastor, I w- if I can start by encouraging pastors who are listening to take care of themselves, and by that I mean uh, physically, I mean financially, I mean emotionally, I mean relationally, but certainly I mean spiritually. So in the, those five little categories right there, a, a pastor, if you will take care of yourself, then you're, you're going to have a chance there with your family and a chance there with your church family. 
But it starts with the pastor, with the minister, and I won't just limit this to pastors, youth ministers, music ministers, whatever position you have in church, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're grounded and balanced uh, and, and healthy. So good. Um, you know, And that's a huge challenge, just what you're saying right now to the pastor that's under pressure and being pulled in every day, working eight days a week. So one of the things that I have just been confessing to the Lord every day, uh, just recently, is, is is this, and so I just be transparent about it. But you know, God, the tug of the world is so strong. Mm. So it is. I think it's real. The tug of the world is so strong, and and we can't get away from it. But I would also say I'm not supposed to get away from it. Yeah. So, but in the midst of that tug, you know, I I got to push back. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to push back on my own with my own power and my own ability, my, even my own determination or will. There is a force that's greater that enables me to push back and stand strong. But the tug of the world is real, and it is strong. So pastors out there, know that you are loved and cared for, mm-hmm. and you're being prayed for. Um, and, and, and don't give up the ship. And if you need help, ask for it. Yeah. So in our office, we, we provide counseling for our pastors around Texas. Mm. So if you're a pastor outside of Texas and you don't have that resource, uh, just allow me to make wow. the resource of, of the counseling services of the Baptist General Convention of Texas uh, available to so you. So they can call. Call. Uh, wow. We will, we will connect you. We will direct you. We Praise will somehow, God. some way, find help for you to our pastors in our convention in Texas and their families. We, we make that available to them. So the good news and the bad news is last year we had a thousand phone calls. Wow! So the, the that's good and bad. I'm, I'm, it's good that they felt they could call yeah. and had a place to call. It's bad that we had a thousand yeah. pastors and ministers and their families call and say we need some help. Wow! But do call. Yes. Don't don't go without that help. It's out there. So call us. We're happy to help. Well, and we all know the adage: Christians don't gossip. We just share prayer requests. So, <laughs> sometimes we don't know who to call. Yeah, right. So that's you can call right. the Baptist General Convention yeah, of we're, Texas. We're happy to try to help, but reach out to someone. Don't 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 withstand that on your own. Talk talk more through for a moment, if you would, Dr. Hardage. And again, if you're just joining us, I want you to follow Dr. Hardage on Twitter. I just love following him. It's at D W Hardage at D W Hardage. Texas Baptist Executive Director, 5,400 churches. If you're just joining us, you're going to want to listen to the whole, the entire program. I want to ask for a moment about Hurricane Harvey because sure. we only have about 90 seconds. But talk about ways that to that individual thinks, oh, the church is irrelevant to me. You know, the church doesn't make any impact on anyone's lives. Just talk about the SWAT team <laughs> you all were um, with others ministering to those who materially struggled during Harvey and after. Well, absolutely. You know, when, when that happened, we, we, we ran to it. Uh, we primarily ran through it through our great partners at Texas Baptist Men. Yeah. But it wasn't just them. Uh, uh, we had so many people in play there. But over the past 18 months, we've helped uh, about 300 churches, more than 100 pastors wow. rebuild their churches, rebuild their homes, get themselves back on a financial footing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well over a half a million dollars we've poured into it and uh, help people access to other resources as well. So we we jumped in to to help the church, to help the pastor, keep the work going, keep the ministry going. But that's all a part of the great commandment. So awesome. I want to, I, do we have time for one more segment? Absolutely. Okay. I can do it. Friends, we've got to jump to a break. Uh, I'm with Dr. David Hardage in studio in Houston today talking about the impact of what happens when Christians come together. Stay with us. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to the show, friends. This is Jeremiah, joined in studio by Dr. David Hardage. He is the executive director of the Baptist General Convention of Texas and a great friend of mine, just a great guy, a wonderful preacher of the gospel, wonderful family man, grandfather of two, um, but really has his pulse on trends that are happening right now in Texas and in the church at large. So what are some of the more remarkable trends that you're, that are, you're paying close attention to as it relates to the gospel, church growth, challenges? What are things we need to be aware of? Well, let me highlight just one thing uh, that uh, I just kind of was made aware of a, a few months ago, but I've really kind of been paying attention to it, trying to be more observant about it. But I'll use the word households. So I'm not sure how people would define or look at a household, but let me give you a couple of statistics. Um, back in 1970, so a, a household generally would, would, was described as the, the mother, the father, the children at home. So in Texas, back in 1970, that was 42% of the households of Texas. Okay. Fast forward to 2019, and the percentage of households in Texas that are made up of mother and a father and children at home is less than 23%. Wow. So these, these percentages are approximate, but approximately. 25% of the households of Texas are people like my wife and me, mm-hmm. you know, married, no children at home. That's almost one-fourth of the households of Texas. Wow. But here's the most uh, startling statistic of all to me. Again, approximate percentage, but approximately one-fourth of the households of Texas are single adults living by themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to ask me what is the weakest area of outreach and ministry in the church, I would tell you it's single adults. Agreed. So we have got... You know, six to seven million single adults living by themselves. Developers are way ahead of the church. Yeah. You you drive around metropolitan areas like Houston. Comment. You drive around. So all these apartment complexes that are being built, who are they being built for? Yeah. Not your family. No. Not even Kathleen and me. Mm-hmm. They're built for those single adults living by themselves who are filling those apartment complexes by the thousands. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the church, you know, I would encourage pastors out there, you know, every church is different. And so find your, find your niche, find who you are, be who you are, reach. But aren't there more churches out there that could engage intentionally and effectively the single adult population? Those single adults are looking for each other. Absolutely. I don't think it's ever been more difficult for single adults to find each other mm-hmm. than 2019. As, as connected as we think we are. I, th- I think we're that equally disconnected. Absolutely. So the, uh, that's a place maybe where the church could really step in. That's a powerful trend. Again, friends, if you're just joining us, I'm talking with Dr. David Hardage. I want to encourage you to connect with him on Twitter, D.W. Hardage. That's at D.W. Hardage. Uh, Dr. Hardage, talk to me for a moment, if you would, about leadership in the church. Because, you know, we have had all our share of challenges in the history of the church, but what are the keys to faithfulness? Because we have so many Christian leaders, and I just love them. They relate with this program. This program resources and encourages their life. You were talking a lot about soul care in our previous segment. I would encourage right. you, friends, to check that out. What are the keys? I mean, you've been in ministry your whole life. You've, been, you've seen a lot of different types of ministry. What are some of the keys from your heart, Dr. Hartage, to be faithful? Well, for me, um, it all kind of goes back to a word uh, that I've uh, yeah, I've probably never i've not i've not always been successful but i want to be a man of integrity Mm -hmm. so i I would put that word out there for every pastor so for me integrity is i am the same so i say it i am the same every day so on sundays when i'm preaching 
I've got to be this, that same way on Monday when I'm leading a group of people. Mm. So if I want to stand and I want to preach and I want to be, you know, I want to preach with clarity and compassion and conviction and all those kind, then I want to be that same thing when I'm in, leading a group of people or just in a group of people. But not just the same, not every, not just every day, but every way. So as a preacher, but also as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as as a boss, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be that same person every day, every way. So mm-hmm. integrity for me, um, you know, again, the tug of the world, the temptations, the challenges that are out there. Uh, so you know, stay the course. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, there are, there are ways we can remind ourselves and disciplines we can put into play that help us on that journey of integrity. Mm, so powerful. Being the same. I just love that thought for integrity, being the same person. And I just love that yeah. because uh, I receive thousands of questions on this program. And so many people, and this is why friends I always say, we don't worship Christianity. We worship Jesus Christ. Amen we love that. the church. We don't worship the church. We love the Bible. We don't worship the Bible. We worship Jesus Christ. Uh, when I get my focus off Jesus, in any situation, it's going to be confusing, but it's hard not to be personally affected when someone you look up to or love has a struggle. And so I just love what you're saying about integrity. We need this message, Dr. Hardage. Another question that I've wanted to ask you for some time, we have so many who listen to this program, and I, I love it because we don't hear enough about calling today. I just love that word, the divine calling. I know I'm at the center of God's will for my life, doing what he's called me to do. And that's a wonderful place of security to be in and minister in. But what would you say for the man or woman who's listening to David Hardage right now? And they're trying to discern if God might be calling them vocationally to ministry. How do they know it's God and not something they ate last night? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, know, for me, it was there's there's nothing else I can do Mm. and find a level of... Whether it be fulfillment or satisfaction, uh, peace, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, for me, I, you know, there are a lot of things I, I would like to do. You know, I love sports. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I'd, I'd love to be a, a sports broadcaster. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that I just, I, I can imagine that being a, but that's not where I'm going to be at peace. That's where mm-hmm. I'm not going to find my satisfaction and my fulfillment. Mm-hmm. I've just been, there's a yearning to to engage in obedience that voice but i want to say as well to me uh and there are people i'm sure who would disagree with this uh but i don't think i think i'm not i think calling can be to a whole variety of fields absolutely so my wife was a public school teacher for almost 30 years Mm. so i think you want to talk about ministry where the water hits the wheel Mm. uh, the classroom yeah yeah the coach the Christian, I'm not sure there are people in the world who have a greater influence than a Christian coach. Agreed. Who's, maybe, you know, living out his gift, but also impacting lives. How many, how many young men, young women did not grow up with that mother or that father yeah. figure that they needed, and the coach has stepped in and fulfilled mm-hmm. that? And that's, to me, I have known some Christian quality, high quality Christian coaches who they were, they're every bit as much in the ministry as I thought I was. Mm, so powerful. And so and what I love is there are avenues if someone wants to get into ministry, get the right credentials. But just listening to you, I mean, you have this amazing position where you give leadership to a convention of churches that's doing well. We've talked about ministry in the Amazon. We've talked about church planning. <laughs> We've talked about Indianapolis. We're discussing doing cross-cultural ministry. Um, there are opportunities, aren't there? Well, they're great opportunities. You know, ministry is 
is not just behind the pulpit on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's a great ministry. And if God calls you to that, uh, follow through that. We need more uh, individuals who feel called to be that proclaimer of the gospel on a Sunday in a church. Mm-hmm. We need those who will be prepared and equipped to do that. But ministry can be so much. Uh, you know, look at look at your life. How's God gifted you? How's mm-hmm. He? Uh, you know, what's his, what's his, what's the yearning He's put in your heart? And and how can that? How can you use that to engage the world, the society around you, with the gospel? So powerful, friends. We only have time for two more questions. Uh, Doctor Hardage, how can we pray for you? How can we stay in touch with the great work that you're doing? Well, you know, like any person in the position of leadership, I, you know, people ask me that periodically, and I say, you know, I always need wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, when when part of what you do every day is make decisions, then you want to make good, right decisions. So mm-hmm. I always ask people to pray for wisdom because I do. You know, I've made some bad decisions in my we life. We all have. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll own up to that, but mm-hmm. I want to make good, right, and wise decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know... Engage in the you know, TexasBaptist.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us. Be a part of us. Uh, I think we're doing great work. It's, it's just across the, the whole banner of, of ministry where we are touching the state of Texas and beyond with the good news of the, of, of the gospel. So people out there, uh, you know, pray for Texas Baptist. Uh, mm-hmm. State's growing. It's, it's more without Christ than it's ever been. Mm. Uh, but that also we have great more opportunities than we've ever had. So Amen. We'll, we'll try to say that in a positive way. Amen. Final question, Dr. Hardin. Yes, sir. So on this program, we welcome guests, and we think vulnerability is the new superpower to reach people. And our entire ministry is really built on making sure, and our, my, I think the job of apologetics is making sure the faith connects up well question, with questions cultures asking about our faith. So yeah. if you could ask Jesus any question today. Um, what would it be, or if you if you had an unanswered question, but God's given you the answer, and you think it might minister to someone who's listening, we'd just love to hear it. Well, you know, um, as a pastor, I still think of myself as mm-hmm. a pastor. The hardest thing that I ever dealt with and still deal with uh, periodically, the death of a child. Mm. And so I, I'm sure there are people out there listening Absolutely. Who've, who've gone through that, who have experienced that, who are struggling with that, wrestling with that. You know, that's a... That's a that's a, a, a situation, you know, you, you can't help but say, God, why is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a hard question. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in my life, I've, I've dug down deeper. Um, you know, it's God is who he is. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a beauty of eternity that we don't fully grasp. Mm-hmm. For me, I, you know, I, one of the things I would pray for in my life is, Help me grasp what that eternity is mm. on, a, on a level more than just what my mind. So mm. that's what led me to faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I still come back to that maybe even today wow. at my age. Eternity. Help me grasp mm. the, the wonder of that. Mm. And that God wants to have a relationship with us for an eternity. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, I'm fascinated by your question because it's popping up a lot more on this show by Seriously. many of our different guests. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that, you know, I, I, my ministry every week, as I've already said, is, you know, I, get, I hear the toughest tragedies every week. I mean, Absolutely. This is what God's right. called me to do. But one thing I am learning is every one of us believers, we may not have an immediate answer, but we can practice something that's so powerful. It's called the ministry of presence. Boy, that is absolutely true. We can be God's presence to someone who's suffering because we all sometimes need to be saved from ourselves. every one of us. 
Lord, save me for myself. And I've had Christians yeah. practice God's ministry of presence where it was God through them. And I don't even know if they knew it, but, man, they were there. And, and I'll you, never forget it. Sometimes you, you don't have to say anything. That's right. Just being there. Yeah. So, Dr. Yeah. Hart, it's just been so fun today. The time's gone by way too fast. Thank you for being on the program today. Will you come back and see <laughs> us again? Hey, it's my honor, my blessing. Thank you very much. Well, friends, I want to encourage you again, just before we sign off here, follow Dr. Hartage at DW Hartage at Twitter. Check out Texas Baptist website. And stay with us because I'll be back in 90 seconds taking your unanswered questions that have been submitted through askjjj.com. Thanks for joining us today. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. This is Jeremiah Johnston. So grateful for the excellent comments from David Hartage and the great work that he is doing with over 5,000 churches here in the great state of Texas. And friends, uh, it's not just happening here in Texas. I want to continue to celebrate how the Spirit of God is working through Christians to make the world a better place. That's been the entire theme of this broadcast, this episode, how we can celebrate not only that the gospel inspires our hearts, our minds, and our emotions, but when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we have a true, authentic faith, it inspires us to go ahead and welcome the kingdom of God on earth right now by first loving our neighbor as God loves him, loving our neighbor as ourselves, that's the great commandment, um, but also making the world a better place. If you see evil, you, you confront it with good. Um, and the passage that I want to focus on here in this final segment of the broadcast today is John 1.5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. The Gospel of John says, I'm in chapter 1 verse 5, katalabano is the Greek word for overcome it. That's the English word. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it or overcomes it not if you're reading the original King James. But what is the Greek that lie behind that? It's katalabano. And it's the Greek thought, the force of the Greek is that the, the, the darkness literally cannot tackle or take the light down. Isn't that a powerful thought? All we have to do, all you have to do, is let your light shine for Jesus Christ. In the moment that you let your light shine in a dark part in our world, in a dark situation in your life, in a dark place in your community, the Bible promises you that the darkness will not extinguish it or overtake it. It can't tackle it or take it down. Isn't that a great thought? All we have to do, though, is let our light shine. And so I hope that you will do what I've done leaving this program today. We just take a moment and do a spiritual inventory. Thank God you're following Jesus Christ. Thank God you're, you're fellowshipping with believers. Praise the Lord you're involved in a local church. Now, what are you doing to impact the world for Jesus Christ? How are you making the world better? What is utterly unique about the Christian movement, and I think the most important evidence for the validity of our faith, is the holistic, transformational Jesus factor that is unleashed in the world through the church. Do you understand what I just said? We can talk a lot about answers to the questions that we have. We can talk about the intellect of our faith and how we need to follow God with our heart, soul, and mind. And I say yes and amen to all of those things. But no, make no mistake, the greatest apologetic is serving someone who's suffering. The greatest apologetic is loving someone 
John 1, 5, letting your light shine in a dark corner of the world. And of course, as you all have heard in this program in the past, I've seen this in natural disasters. I've seen this in hospital rooms. When you actually put feet to your faith, and you go and you bless someone who's hurting, and you bless them in the name of Jesus, not expecting anything in return, that's the greatest apologetic for our faith. And so let me encourage you, John 1, 5, let your light shine for the glory of Jesus Christ. And if you're not letting it shine, Friends, light it up again. That's the beauty of the Christian faith. You can start right now. Just invoke 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then say, Lord, John 1, 5. I'm going to pray this verse right now. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness overcomes it not. Father, help us to let our light shine leaving this broadcast today. Thank you for this program. Thank you for how this program is reaching people by the thousands. We give you glory for that. Help us to love our neighbor, Lord, as you've commanded us to. And Father, we worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.